Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with a guest mentor, Hamad Zadiki, who's going to share some of his journey from going from business into like uh, exports and finance and a whole bunch of different things in his career, and then ending up as the uh, LinkedIn guru. So, uh, uh, Ahmad, if you want to start off with, with telling us a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we'll get into your background shortly after. Thank you, Luki. It's such a, uh, a great pleasure to be on your show and uh, talking to the audience that we have out there. Uh, so, Hamad Siddiqui, I grew up in uh, Pakistan, uh, spent my early career in Pakistan, speak there. Then worked in about 10 countries uh, later on with 10 nationalities, uh, ethnicities, language differences and all that. So that is fun. Uh, I'm based in Canada now. I'm in uh, east of Toronto and uh, spend my morning cleaning snow as most of us did. Um, I'm actually um, building up my coaching business, uh, literally pivoting from my a very extensive career in uh, trade development and uh, institutional capacity building into more integrity of coaching thing and LinkedIn and working with uh, new immigrants in Canada and, and in the US is the focus. And there are companies also that I'm training and coaching on how they can use LinkedIn optimally. That's amazing. So. If we can delve a little bit more into that uh, rich history of the 10 countries and all of that, and, and maybe a little bit earlier, but like, what yeah. were you like as, as a kid? So so growing up, were you kind of a, a shy, introverted, or were you outgoing and, and active? Uh, and what were some of the, the influences uh, along the way as you were growing up? Yeah, I think I was a destructive kid. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, I think destructive is, so I was very inquisitive. I really wanted to know how things work. Um, so I would get these toys, you know, these aeroplanes and these small, like, motor-driven cars. Uh, I would play with those cars and the, the inquisitiveness was that how does it work, how this car works? And I would open it up. So I would actually break right. the car, really, just to find out what, what's inside the car which makes it move. Um, so I would, uh, so I, would, I was labeled as a destructive kid in my, in my, uh, during my childhood. And um, I was not an introvert. I would jump into things. I would experiment with things. Uh, I was. I was always. I would always get a shout from my father as to you know what the hell are you doing? No, <laughs> don't do this. And then, uh, but again, you know, this is this was. Uh, I think it's, it was good because I was trying to learn new things. But I was. I think I was uncontrolled at times. Uh, in, in getting into things which would actually uh, had put me into life-threatening situations also. For instance, putting your finger in, in the electric socket kind of a thing. So, uh, or jumping in, in uh, the pool of water after midnight, or not midnight, after dark. And nobody would know that I was there. It was my cousin who kind of ran and you know brought my father. He took me out. I was already drowned in the water. So I, I would do things which would probably hurt me also. So I was uncontrolled, as I'd say, uh, growing up. Um, but that kind of inquisitiveness continued throughout my life. I really wanted to know. And it was much later than I 
actually read somewhere that you know you're one of the most intelligent thing that you can do in your life to grow is to figure out if sure. you have the capability to figure out you will make it yeah that sounds uh, amazing and and that's definitely a trait where uh, unfortunately in uh, a lot of today's society uh, it's almost the opposite where parents kind of coddle and and almost saran wrap bubble wrap their kids a little too yeah. much where they can't do anything and that breeds a, a bit of a, a culture of uh, fear of failure and then most folks uh, they can't. Uh, so when they get out in the real world, then uh, it's a struggle when they don't get the job, they don't get the promotion, they don't get the whatever it is they're, they're supposed to have. Um, and, and sometimes uh, jumping in the pool, pool after dark, although I don't necessarily recommend it, <laughs> might have been a, a good thing to do, uh, at least the equivalent to, to do in, 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 in right now. But uh, uh, So tell us more about some of the influences growing up. So you ended up in, in business. Uh, and how did that come around? Is that more parental influence or, or, or just the folks around you or did you just magically come up? Yeah, I think um, I think it was a mix of few things. Uh, uh, my father always wanted me to become an engineer and mm-hmm. that, that was the in thing and in, in, in my society at that time, either you become an engineer or a doctor or you do nothing. So, right. so, um, so I studied uh, pre-engineering uh, until my high school. I went into my BSc engineering, uh, but I hated it. I hated <laughs> physics and stuff like that. So, and I think it was a time when I started talking to people. So one of my, uh, so I used to play cricket, right? You know, cricket was, is the game for South Asians, right? Sure. Uh, so one of my, um, um, my friend who used to play cricket with me, he was elder than me. He was uh, in charge of accountancy. So he was like doing his articleship. And he did his bachelor's of commerce. Then he went to his articleship. So I, I spoke to him. I said, you know, this is my issue. Uh, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like studying chemistry and physics. Uh, but I'm more inclined towards like looking at things at like a more practical perspective. You know, something that I can see. And uh, so he started talking to me and said, you know, this is how accounting works, and this is how what economics means. You know, this is how businesses do this is what entrepreneurship is and that really inspired me and i switched so i i studied bsc engineering for about one semester then i switched to business studies and did my bachelor's of commerce uh, and while i was doing my bachelor's of commerce i got that fascination towards economics mm-hmm. uh, you know although a lot of people at my age during that time would think that economics is a very dry subject there's no fun in it but i really liked it because I could then apply all those economics, principles of economics on to real life as to how price mechanism works and all that. Um, so, so before really we go, liked, yeah. before we go there, I, I wonder what was the conversation like with mom and dad to let them know that you were switching? Were they pretty supportive and was it easy or was it uh, because you mentioned yeah. that you had to become an engineer or doctor or yeah. nothing else. So how, how does that conversation uh, turn out? I just did that. So <laughs> I, I switched and I told them that, you know, I, I really don't like, don't want to do engineering. I, this is not my, this is not my piece of cake. Uh, I really want to go into business studies and, uh, uh, I mean, they were okay. Probably they didn't like it, but they didn't, they, they really wanted me to do something. So, uh, if I was doing factors of commerce, I was still studying and in South Asian society or in all the Asian societies, you know, education and university level education is 
as something that you know all the south asians and nations would go into um, so for them okay he's not doing it but at least he's in the university he's studying university education so that's why right it sounded like you at least had a path you had a plan so you might not be uh, the next doctor or engineer but at least uh, you you were in, in in business at a university level so yeah. cool makes sense so, so you got into economics business and finance was there a particular like course or discipline that you found along the way that you really gravitated towards yeah so i, I really like macroeconomics uh, <laughs> because you see i mean in macroeconomics micro also but but more towards macro because you were looking at policy side of uh, economics uh, so that really inspired me that you can actually through policies you can actually uh, turn around the economy a, a country's economy or you know, scale it down to and implement more or less the same uh, philosophies and, and principles on business at businesses also and turn businesses around so the turning around part of this this macroeconomic uh, macroeconomics was really inspiring for me uh, so I, I kind of slowly get it, went into and uh, found opportunities also within uh, the same field as as I as I moved, moved along cool and so, so walk us through kind of uh, your university journey and then kind of uh, graduating and getting a job. Was that easy, difficult? Like uh, how, how was the uh, business climate? Uh, was it pretty straightforward to do that? Or or did you have to jump through some hoops <laughs> in order to get yeah. there? Yeah. So I think uh, I think I was I was someone who, as I said, you know, I, who would like, I mean, in today's terminology, it's, I was outgoing. So I, was, I would okay. still go out and meet people. I was not shy to express myself uh, I was not shy of learning things and uh, uh, you know accepting that I don't know this can you please help me do this kind of a stuff so I never uh, was shy of asking for help uh, and that really because people don't know I mean if you don't know something and you don't ask for it people would not know right. um, and that really helped me uh, build my some kind of a Trust, if I may call it, I mean, I was very, I was very young and a very close society, but I kind of still built up my references and and network, and I kind of met people who I, I learned from at senior level. Um, but my actual my first job was a salesman, so I really was not shy of doing anything. I was just jump into it, as I said, you jump into the water after dark kind of stuff. <laughs> so that was the first thing that came in my way uh, while I was still studying to work as a salesman. I said, let's experiment with it because, you know, I'll be able to um, kind of interact with people more frequently as a salesman. You, you talk to, and I learned a lot of things. So, you know, how do you look into eyes and how do you smile? How, how important it is to smile, your, your, your facial expressions, your body language, all that counts a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I went for my first like a formal job, if I may call it, I was already ahead in the game because mm-hmm. I knew all that those tricks. During the process, I started writing small bits and pieces in newspapers. Um, so kind of this is what I say, you know, you have to kind of um, outshine somehow. And these are like I did not know that it would help me. I was just doing it. But when I went for my first major interview, which was at the British uh, Consulate's office in Karachi, my first big job that I did in a big organization, 
uh, I was successful in amongst 210 candidates, right? So because I had collateral to show them uh, rather than just passing the test, I had all that collateral with me. You know, I had my articles published in newspapers and stuff. Um, and most of that stuff was on economics and, and kind of or in business environment, you know, and cool. yeah. So it sounded like uh, after graduation, well, in, in school, even in a business school, there's no real courses on sales, right? So you really have to go out there and, and learn yourself. So yeah. part of that, your uh, jump into the pool after dark was the experimenting <laughs> and learning on the fly. And then uh, by doing that, that puts you uh, ahead of other folks because, uh, yeah, if, if nobody's teaching <clears throat> sales and you don't experiment and figure it out yourself, then uh, you're not necessarily going to to learn um, and then use that to your advantage to kind of get get the next role so uh yeah keep us going in terms of the, the journey so so you're you're out you're doing sales sales is kind of your first big job or, or first formal job and then how did you uh proceed from there yeah so so the next the next big big job was uh, working with the british government british consulate's office in 1990 uh which uh, really transformed uh, me into what I am, I think. I mean, the transformation continues throughout your life until sure. you die. But that was like the real transformation because I was uh, I was in an environment which was like a knowledge environment. Mm. Yeah. So you're working with like foreign diplomats and uh, you're, you're interacting with very senior level business people and travel because I started traveling since. So I joined in 1990 and 1991 was my first travel outside Pakistan. I went to UK for a training, then from UK I went to the US to meet my friends there. So it was like uh, traveling really opened up my kind of, you know, opened up my mind. You know, traveling teaches you a lot. You know, working in different cultures or walking around in these streets in Washington DC, how different it is from from walking around in, in your own town and stuff. So, uh, so that learning continues, and I kept implementing whatever new ideas came in my mind. I, I never was shy of implementing good ideas, and um, uh, or even like uh, you know uh, suggesting new ideas. So, so not only I'm implementing it, but I would suggest those new ideas to seniors also within my within my circle, and that really helped me push very quickly from a very junior position to mid-level manager position, literally in two years' time. And next three years' time, in 1995, I became head of commercial operations for Pakistan for British government. So I was literally uh, the man people would look at. Uh, <laughs> and I was very young. I was still like uh, very, very young, 30 years of age. Uh, and uh, I was the youngest senior commercial officer in the whole diplomatic community, the British diplomatic community around the globe. Mm -hmm. So it was, I mean, I did not know that, to be very honest. Uh, it was the British foreign secretary who told me, his, his name was Sir Michael J. Uh, and uh, how I met him was another story. I was nominated as uh, uh, amongst, uh, so they, we, had, we had a think tank. Uh, internal think tank within the British Foreign Office of all the uh, locally engaged staff. So I was one of the locally engaged staff within Pakistan, right? So the think tank was of like 200 locally engaged um, people, quote unquote, they would call brilliant, I think. Uh, 
sure. uh, to put them <laughs> to put them uh, um, in 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 a conference every year uh, in their head office at one Victoria Street in London for three days, and uh, the the so the, the conference that I went to was presided over by Sir Michael Jay, who was the foreign secretary, very senior person. Okay, so Jack Straw was the was the foreign minister. So so you can imagine the kind of conference that was. So I was amongst the first to amongst those two hundred uh, people who were were part of it. So I was the youngest. I, so I realized only when I was there in that big hall where two hundred people, one ninety nine people were older than me. And <laughs> you, you were so the kid, my, room, right? So <laughs> I was really you know thirty. It's still thirty years of age, but for a foreign office staff. Somebody coming to the concert at the age of 30 was very, very young. So, uh, so Sir Michael J actually spotted me, came and met me. He knew because he was like a very, very thorough gentleman. And he met me and he said, you know, you are the youngest uh, commercial officer in our team across the globe at this moment. So it was like kind of you feel good when somebody at this level recognizes you uh, in a crowd of 200, right? So... Um, and there were there are like other stories also. I met the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh was part of their entourage as the only local staff who was part of it when she came to Pakistan in 1997. Uh, and I mean, those 17 years I spent at the British Foreign uh, Office uh, are fascinating. Like you know, it's the real learning how things work or don't work. How do you make them work? Mm. So what were some of the, the highlights? So give us maybe maybe one or two uh, highlights uh, of that career. And then and then what did you do afterwards? Uh, so I think I so I kept growing from 1995 until 2006. So I, I really worked on um, uh, the trade policy between, uh, between Pakistan and the UK. We uh, grew investment, UK investment in Pakistan in millions of dollars, millions of pounds sterling with power plants coming in and stuff. So I mean I can't. It's very difficult to pinpoint exactly. But you know when you look when you're working with global companies like International Power and facilitating their process of establishing a power plant in a country, uh, there is a lot that goes behind it, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of negotiations between the G2G government to government negotiations. Then you know the the joint partner B2C and B2B negotiations, um, working. Uh, with, with financial advisors, or I mean, of course, I did not work directly with them, but I was part of those those meetings, and then I was like on the receiving side of it, so that I know exactly what is happening and reporting it back uh, to to London at the head office. This is happening, uh, kind of helping, taking their help officially to the prime minister's office. Uh, you know, a letter. Okay, let's let's do a letter to prime minister to have this facilitated. So all those like. Uh, you know, pinpointing those moments which are which really require your attention and, and intervention to make things happen. So this is just one example. There was another big transaction of Standard Chartered Bank that went through during my process. And there were like ICI, Fodash plant. ICI used to be one of the largest uh, chemical company in the world. It is now like broken down into like smaller companies, but they brought in a huge investment into Sodash plant. So, I mean, I could go on, but like these were like major things. And again, like taking small delegations to UK and working with Chamber of Commerce 
in making sure that the delegations would actually get benefit of their being in the UK, you're, you're spending taxpayers' money, how are you spending taxpayers' money, and be accountable for. So sure. I think, uh, um, so if, if I could put it in a, in a short sentence, you know, uh, I kept, I learned how do I find those opportunities, act upon those opportunities in a very timely manner, and uh, you know, learned a lot about negotiations and, and working with people and listening. I think listening and focusing are some of the things that people don't really understand how to. But I think in that in that environment, these were like uh, the real thing that I learned uh, of this whole capabilities that you can develop. I think there were, these were the two I would pick pick up with the focusing and the listening part of it. Sounds good. And, and what I probably took out of that as well is, is uh, developing a lot of the relationships, because uh, even though that was a fixture of how you got into it uh, beforehand, I'm sure uh, the relationships you built also helped you throughout that whole uh, thing. And, and was there any of that that uh, led to kind of the, the next adventure for you? Because uh, you spent a lot of time in the government, but uh, how did you uh, end up transitioning to, to something else? Yeah, so, um, so just, just kind of because I kept experimenting with myself. So I knew that I'm, uh, I, I can mentor people. I, I think I knew that. So I would still uh, work with young people, you know, spend time voluntarily in helping them uh, in their kind of career transition, transition, you know, like at coffee meetings. And, you know, I would uh, just invite a few people whenever I'm traveling to other cities to come and join me. And that actually helped me build network and relationships. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when you're at a position when uh, you don't really need a lot of help from people, people would still want to help you because they really want to be, feel kind of pride in connecting with you. You know, they really like it. So uh, that really helped me build my uh, social capital into, you know, into media, into television, um, you know, business community, chamber of commerce, government ministries. Um, so I, I could get things done like like this. Pick a phone, talk to someone, and it will be done. <laughs> I knew that if if this person can't do it, he's going to refer me to someone who would be able to do things, sure. uh, which was which was great, right? You know, I was not using like I, I never needed it for myself, but for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but transitioning into the new job or the next job in 2006 happened probably because I had that network. So. Mm. So this this organization that I that I worked until uh, March 2020 is one of the largest uh, private sector capacity building not-for-profit organization in the world, uh, and it's a U.S. Chamber of Commerce affiliated organization called Center for International Private Enterprise (CIP). So they pushed me because they were establishing uh, an operation in Pakistan to help private sector grow uh, through policy reforms, and now. Look at the links. My studies, you know, the, the passion that I had, economics and policy level work, uh, my knowledge of working with government and how policies actually are formed, uh, private sector driven policies or working uh, in the intersection of private sector with the government, helped me get into this job. And I never mm-hmm. applied. They pushed me they, they, because they knew me. The, 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 the country director knew me already. So he spoke to me. Uh, and he, he literally pushed me, you know, come and work with us kind of a thing. Uh, and I think I was already thinking about it because I had already done almost 17 years 
in an organization. I had grown to a level where what was which was like almost uh, the level one could even dream of, and there was no. I could still like gain salary raises and stuff like that, but there was no growth after that. Mm-hmm. So I took. I would call it a difficult decision in like literally ten seconds. So. So he he offered me, and I said yes. I would like to experiment, <laughs> and uh, I moved in. And my so when my I shared it with my, with my wife, this is this is what I'm going to do. She was like, "What the hell are you thinking? Of? Why do you want to move? It's such a nice job." Um, you know, I said, "You know, okay, it's it's a nice job, but I think uh, I can I need to explore more. I still I'm still very young, but quite young, and uh, I should really be." Doing more, you know, push myself or raise my bar, as I would say. So I moved to a brand new organization, which is establishing uh, its its kind of presence in the country. Uh, and even there, also, uh, it was just kind of a an exponential growth that I experienced. Uh, and just because you know I knew people, so I went in and I was like ready to connect, reconnect with people, and uh, reconnected in in a way. Uh, that you know, we actually took that project from two hundred thousand dollar project to a million dollar project in two years time. So, yeah, that's amazing. So, so you have two very successful uh, career paths, or I guess from, from the government and then this not for profit organization, uh, doing a lot of great things, learning exponentially, and then you uh, transition over here to what you're doing now, or, or is there something something in between, or, or how, how do you get to uh, Kind of this next stage of your career. Uh, so, so no, from from Cipe, uh, the last organization that I was in, uh, I was with them. So I actually worked with them for almost fourteen years, a little right, over yeah. fourteen years. Um, in two thousand sixteen, yeah, yeah, two thousand sixteen, uh, they decided to um, reconsider their presence in Pakistan. So I was based in Pakistan, but I was working on their projects in ten different countries. So I was flying most of the time from from one country to another country to implement the program. So, um, uh, and they they usually do not stay in a country for more than three four years. But in Pakistan case, they stayed for fourteen years. Uh, but in 2016, they started looking at uh, transiting into another another country. And Philippines was their their next um, target country where they wanted to establish. I never wanted to go to Philippines because. My family would not. I knew that they won't be able to adjust uh, into a very, very different environment. And uh, my daughters were born here, and you know, we were in Canada, and uh, me and my wife actually migrated into the year 2000. So uh, working in North America was nothing new to me. I mean, I knew the culture. I I worked with an American organization for so long. Uh, so we decided to. Um, so it's, I said, you know, okay. Why don't we take this as an opportunity to move to Canada? Like, uh, it's like I knew that I would be reinventing myself yet again uh, <laughs> at this age. Uh, but I was like, what's 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 wrong with it? I think I've done it before. I know I, I'll be able to do it again. Right. Um, so we we moved to Canada in uh, July 2019. Like packed up and moved, mm-hmm. moved, and uh, until March 2020, I was still in. Full-time employed with this U.S. organization, uh, wrapping up their projects that I had remotely from sitting in my my home in Ajax, uh, and uh, 
parallel to that, I had already started thinking uh, to get into coaching business and particularly focusing the immigrants community because I know they come in and they suffer. They come in with a lot of qualifications and experience and everything and they suffer a lot in Canadian work environment. And the biggest reason for that, they have never been to this part of the world. So they do not really understand job sales dynamics. Uh, there's so much uh, to learn uh, at that age and because a lot of uh, immigrants come when past 40 years. Right? Um, so that's the time when you are already Kind of there's a decline i mean that's the reality there's a decline in your learning when as you grow in your age um so so why so that's what i was thinking why don't i help them understand the importance of linkedin as a platform to uh, to kind of excel network and build their social capital again in the new country um and uh, so i slowly started rolling it out not kind of officially talking about it, but I started doing some training sessions. Uh, there was pre-COVID time, so I could actually do training sessions and um, you know, use my my things that I had been doing, uh, working with young people throughout my life, coaching and mentoring and, and, and social media marketing and stuff, whatever I, I had been doing, kind of translate into a different language really for a different audience. Um, and then we had COVID in in April, and we were literally shut down for almost six months. Um, uh, but I think it was a time when I really focused a lot on online presence, and that actually started uh, giving me business opportunities. So, uh, and again, you know, my original thought that I would probably find a lot of business in Canada uh, uh, was wrong, <laughs> proved wrong. Uh, I had and have business in Canada, but a lot of my clients are outside Canada, uh, in Dubai, Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar, for instance, and, and UK, Switzerland. So what I what made me realize is that you know, it's a global village. The the word of global village is this is what it is. You will doesn't really matter wherever you are based. You can literally reach out to people globally. Sure. So, so really focused on that, and now I have uh, uh, contacts almost all over the world: uh, Australia, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, China, you name it. If you if you want to connect with anyone anywhere in the world, I think I should find one person <laughs> I can connect you connect you with. That's amazing. So, if we were to kind of wrap things up and get some of your swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. So, if you were to give yourself some guidance when you were younger, whatever high school, university, in any of your uh, b bigger jobs, or even to someone coming in um, inter interested in getting into any of the career paths that, that you mentioned, uh, or even some LinkedIn guidance, <laughs> what, yeah. what some of the, the swipe that, that you'd share with folks. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, uh, well, there could be quite a few pointers in it because I I, I'm, I grew up uh, when there used to be just one television channel. Right? <laughs> so um, there was no computer at that time. Computer came in, well, in my country, computer came in 1988. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, um, or 1986, yeah, 1986. Um, so anybody uh, growing up in current age have, different issues as compared to what I had. Sure. Um, but 
I think two things are very, very important. Um, one is your language skills. Mm. Uh, I studied in Urdu medium, so I studied Urdu language. English was just a secondary subject for me. Uh, so, so you have to build that skills, language skills, uh, which which I had to build. Like you know, I worked around my language skills later on, and that's why I speak decent enough English language. I I write decent enough English language. So, so your ability to communicate is the ability that takes you from zero to hero. Mm. Uh, you know, when you're communicating, which means that you're not only talking, you are listening. You're observing, you're articulating, you're thinking. So it's a combination of so much. Um, so had I known it, like when I was like growing up, to do it more strategically, I would have grown much faster. Mm. I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I think I've I, um, I've I've been successful in in my career as compared to my my classmates in my high school or even in my university. Uh, but this is one thing that uh, we must try to try to learn at a very early age. You know, who who teaches you to focus? I mean, people say, okay, focus, focus, focus. I always say, focus, focus, focus. Right? But nobody teaches you how to. How do you learn focusing? And uh, listening, whoever has the uh, gifted cap capability to to hear, thinks that he is or she or she is listening. But listening is 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 an art. It's, it's, it has to, it's, a, it's something that one should learn. Once you do that, then you start articulating, you start properly communicating, and that actually helps you a lot. In your career also, I I, I know you shared your story. I think sort of communication that really plays a, a really really vital role. What what's something tactical that someone could do right now to improve some of their communication skills, either from the listening side or the hearing or or, or thinking while they're doing it? What, what's a, a tactical piece of advice that someone could start doing, uh, if yeah. not now, then, then shortly thereafter? Yeah. So uh, I always recommend starting low, okay. starting from somewhere. Uh, and if we, dis if we divide uh, your whole communication strategy into focusing, listening, articulating, and writing, you know, just, just, just implement that. Focus means that something, anything that you really would like to learn or communicate to other people. So it could be chemistry, it could be physics, it could be business, it could be finance, it could be investment, anything. That should be a focus, which means that you will have to learn a lot about it, read a lot about it. Then you have to start listening things, what, we, what other people are saying. You know, uh, people listen to podcasts, people, but focused not everything you can't really uh, you can't really do everything and uh, excel in one thing if you are into everything then you are not excellent sure and then start articulating okay focus listen and then articulate okay this this is what it means you know this is how it can help others or or myself also and then start writing about it so if we if we follow these four four things, you will outshine automatically because nobody's doing this. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it's, it's putting in the time, putting in the effort uh, to constantly improve every day, try to be 1% better than you were yesterday or at least 
half a percent or whatever it is yeah. but the point is to, to learn listen experiment because you might get it wrong yeah. <laughs> uh, and but the, you, you probably know how not to do it it, it is when, when you do it incorrectly and then figure out okay in this particular context it's how to do it so, so that's great uh, what, what was this, the second thing so you mentioned that the communication and, and, and uh, um, language is, is the most yeah uh, most important and what was networking yeah. networking yeah. networking and uh, my style of networking is helping other people rather than taking help from other people. Right. So today only I launched something very exciting, mm -hmm. which is I would want to share your stories on my LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So, so look, if you have a nice story, if you want me to shout out for you, I will provide you a few pointers, a short story, bullet pointed. I will rewrite it and I'll put it out there for you. Um, and all, so I launched it like this morning only, and um, I already have two stories. Uh, you know, two people have already sent me those stories, and uh, I think I'll probably have, uh, I had like five people responding uh, like a couple of hours ago, and oh. Just, oh, so far I have eight responses and two people have sent me stories. So 10 people in the last three, four hours have reached out to me. So this is the power of social media. Uh, people connect with you uh, and you can then help them expand their network. Yeah, I would definitely agree with uh, that networking sentiment. Too many people leverage it as a transaction. Uh, I, I usually compare it to uh, hunting versus farming. Mo yeah. Most people, when they network, they hunt, right? They want yeah. the elephant, the whale. Uh, it's, it, that's not a recipe for sustainable success. It might work for that one transaction, but uh, after you, you you kill the elephant, it's gone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not one going to reciprocate. But if you start off with helping and saying, hey, I'm going to share your story. Well, what do you want for it? Nothing. Oh, yeah. what? <laughs> then, yeah. then people are first taken aback because they're wondering, well, well, what do you mean? How much is it going to cost later on? And then once they get past that, then they realize, wow, uh, this person is here to help. And then they almost feel guilty <laughs> for, for not yeah. helping you later. So I think it's it's definitely great. And and that um, little investment uh, can, can go a long way where uh, it might not help you now, but it might help you in a few months, few years, few decades, or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, that, that networking and who you know um, can, can often reap so many rewards later on. So yeah, that's definitely great, great advice. So what, what are some of the, the future aspirations that you have? So now that you're building your, your LinkedIn community and all these different offerings, are there any little projects uh, other than the one you just mentioned that, that uh, we can look forward to? Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, the only passion that I have in life, you know, passion about my Career, if I'm still uh, quote unquote, is to <laughs> is to really build my own coaching business, uh, and particularly focusing on helping people in their career development using LinkedIn as a platform. Right. Uh, it's it's not only about creating a profile; it's about being out there and being seen as a subject matter expert. This is what you need to do, uh, which people don't. I mean, LinkedIn's own. Uh, data suggests that only about five percent people understand how LinkedIn works, right. and they 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 keep it secret. So, which means LinkedIn keeps it secret. They uh, that's how they make money, right? 
which is which is okay and people come and experiment some people don't experiment uh, so i kind of try i'm trying to break those chains for people who are interested and i really want to be and i don't know how it sounds in in the western culture is that people are fleecing people right you know for mm-hmm. this work uh, i know uh, people who are charging as much as Fifteen hundred dollars to fix a LinkedIn profile. Fifteen hundred US dollars, by the way. So it's about two thousand Canadian dollars if you put it this way. Now, how many people on around us would actually cough out two thousand dollars in this economy? I mean, okay, they they've been out there and doing it for many many years, and they can charge that kind of money. Uh, but that is not actually helping masses. So I'm I'm I've just rolled out a program last week. Uh, training uh, it's a it's an eight module training program eight weeks one hour every week uh, for 149.99 us dollar which is 200 canadian approximately and anybody who is joining in can actually experience much more and be more will be more hands on in his or her linkedin profile as compared to paying somebody 200 dollars mm-hmm. and having it fixed uh, so that's so that's my so I really want to build that that I don't know call it an academy or or and and it's a it's a new thing Hamas Adiki just a small fly on the ball at the moment but uh, I'm still getting traction I've got a line of lineup of people who are interested in last one week I've got over 100 people who have shown interest Great. in that program now not everybody is going to join. Not everybody is going to pay. This is how you. This is how business happens. You know, you, you build your funnel, and people, and somehow they they real, they trust in me, or they've been following me. That's why they have they, they've shown interest. And of those, uh, almost seven or eight have enrolled so far. And I want to keep it like ten people for ten participants in a in a session, which could be multiple sessions if I have fifty participants. Sure. But this this is this is my ambition. This is what I'm planning to do. I'm implementing these ideas, um, and I'm learning or learning along. You know, it's happening. Things are happening around me. That's perfect. So sounds like uh, exciting things up in the works, and uh, I uh, wish you all success for that. And and we'll uh, link folks obviously to your LinkedIn <laughs> for for folks that want to reach out, and and hopefully we'll have you back for uh, more um, topics and insights because it was interesting going through your career path. And I'm sure if we can delve uh, deep into things like LinkedIn, uh, some secrets or uh, different areas to grow, or, or even we didn't even talk about uh, you and uh, edu- edu- shapers and some of the yes. others. Yes. Well. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. we'll have you back for, for a- another episode. And uh, yeah, is there anything else that you want to say before we, we head out? I, I have authored three books already so these are three books in the pipeline which we can talk about later on also um so now that this is fun uh talking to you Luki, and i'm sure i was able to add some value to the thinking process uh for anybody who's looking to advance in their career whether you are at the entry level or you're getting out of university or college or you are at mid-career stuck in mid-career or or your senior manager uh it's it's uh, it's some of the very basic strategies. If you put those strategies in place, you will outshine. You will outrun your competition. That's perfect. So thanks so much, Hamad, for uh, joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you back in a future episode. Thank you for having me.
Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at LukiDanu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.